0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Schaefer, Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts here with you. uh, Trying to, uh, as we get further from it, trying to make sense of Nebraska's loss on Saturday. We've heard from Scott Frost twice. We've now heard from coordinators. We've heard from players both after the game and then on Monday and Tuesday. Now that you guys have heard a little bit more – what, what has kind of been your takeaway as Nebraska tries to pick up the pieces and, and salvage what's left of its season?
1: Um, the the talk about the lack of juice last week uh, has kind of been the theme, and that uh, that's very weird to me, um, and it will be. I'm, I mean, I just don't get why when you're a team that's only won 10 games in two and a half years uh, – every game wouldn't be viewed as a big opportunity. So that part is discouraging, but that is the explanation that's been sort of common. Um, what's interesting to me, I guess, is sort of, you know, can, can they actually stay motivated and excited to play football? Because I think they have been a team that up until last week appeared to be operating that way. And did that take their spirit? And they say it hasn't. They say they've really gotten to work this week, and it's been the most physical practices. And I know everybody rolls their eyes at that. Um, so we'll see on Friday, but that, that's at least a line. And I guess if I'm reading tea leaves, I also think Adrian Martinez is going to be the starter, but maybe I'm reading that wrong.
0: What has what given you that, that kind of belief that Adrian is going to be the starter?
1: I just thought the way Frost phrase framed it the other day when he said, Adrian's got a chip on his shoulder. I've been benched before like this. Um, sort of setting it up and also saying, "Hey, look, young Luke is still the future." Um, I don't know. It kind of set me up to think they might go Adrian's way. Uh, Farniok today was talking about how Adrian's a fighter, and you know that's why he's a captain. And I mean, he might say that regardless, but it's that's just my guess. I don't. That's not inside info yet, and maybe they haven't decided. But it sort of feels like the move that they maybe should make, and also uh, I just think it's the move they will make.
0: What do you think, Brunts? What have you kind of heard when you've been sitting in on these Zoom calls?
2: Yeah, it's – I don't know. It's the – I agree with Brian. I mean, the, you know, kind of not coming out with juice and kind of going through the motions after you win. You know, what what felt like a big game uh, against Penn State or at least one where you could kind of start to build on is concerning, I think. Um, You know, the the fact that you're kind of getting, I guess, different stories from – you know, uh, post-game to, to Monday, I, I think, is a, a little concerning. I, I think, too, you know, I think Brian's right. I mean, I, I think if you kind of read between what Frost, Scott Frost said on Monday, I would be very surprised if Adrian Martinez isn't the starting quarterback against Iowa. I mean, they, they say they're going to, you know, let it run through the week. But, I mean, I, I think you – based on what you saw last game and the fact that, you know, he kind of s- said that, you know – McCaffrey's the future, but, you know, Adrian's been, you know, playing better. That leads me to believe that it's going to be Adrian. The question is, um, you know, how, how did Adrian kind of handle this essentially benching? I mean, is he seen as a chance to kind of reset the deck a little bit and, and come out and and play, you know, the kind of football that we saw his freshman year or is, you know, he's still going to be in his head, which I, I think he seemed to be, uh, at times this season. So I don't know. It just it feels like a team right now that's in a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, they're, they're kind of treading water a little bit, trying to keep their head above water. And that's, uh, that's a real tough place to be going into a short week against a team that doesn't like you uh, and, and really wants to kind of rub your nose in it a little bit and a, a team that plays, you know, disciplined football and, and can really kind of ram it down your throat. If you're uh you're not ready to go. So it's a uh, Nebraska's in a bit of a precarious spot this week, I think.
0: Do either of you guys feel like the fact that Nebraska kinda of hung around and they actually moved the ball well against Northwestern sets up that they should be similar against an Iowa team that that, you know, plays at least similar sound fundamentally on defense. I, I don't know if I think Iowa is any more explosive on offense than Northwestern is, but it, it feels like if you were looking for a reason to have I don't know if confidence is the right word, but if you're looking for a reason that Nebraska can hang in this game, they've already faced a team that's pretty similar in Northwestern. And in my mind, that was a game Nebraska gave away.
1: Yeah, I think possibly. I mean, I also look at it this way. I'm picking Iowa to win the game this week. I I think most people would do that, but I'm not like everybody that doesn't think Nebraska's got a fighting shot. I mean, every week is a different animal, Nebraska clearly didn't have the the juice or the zest or whatever you need last Saturday and it was a complete mess but you know they, they put the scoreboard at zero again on Friday and um it's a different matchup and I I do think you if you look at the last two years Frost teams have uh went down to the last second and and honestly um they were a little undermanned in both those games, um, especially last year at the wide receiver spot. They were down at, uh, let's see, Spielman, basically. And Wandale didn't even hardly play in that game. So, I mean, I, I think there's reasons why you would be concerned. Nebraska's only, like, 115th in yards per pass attempt and Iowa's 16th in giving up yards per pass attempt. And the the numbers look bad. But I sort of expect it to be a four-quarter game. It's just a matter of can you turn Iowa over a few times um, and actually, for once, hold on to the ball and not be the team that, that goes negative in that
0: department. What do you think, Brett?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it has the potential to be a close game just based on history. I mean, I think Nebraska is a more talented team this year than they were a year ago. Um, you know, the 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 it's it's the same conversation every year, I think, against Iowa where – you know that they're going to do the kinds of things offensively. They're going to test Nebraska and, and their patience and, and kind of metal. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to run the stretch plays. They're going to try to set up cutback lanes and get Nebraska moving the wrong direction. They're going to take a few shots downfield to their tight ends and play action. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not uh there's not a ton of mystery in, in kind of what this game is going to look like. I think to me, it's a lot of it is about Nebraska. And if, they're they're you know ready for the fight. Um, you know week to week th- this season has, has been interesting. You've seen kind of different Nebraskas every week. A part of that I think is probably quarterback and whatnot. But um, you know I-, I think Nebraska can hang in this game. Um, it- it's just a it's just you, you don't really want to speculate on where this team's head is at until they get out on the field because you know I I, I would have. I guess I'm kind of like Scott Frost where I wasn't expecting that kind of performance like they had against Illinois. I mean, I, I think uh, that definitely was a shock to the system for a lot of people in that, in that uh, facility over there.
0: Well, I'm curious, like which, which side of the ball runs would you say has been more exasperating for this fan base? Uh, is it the, the offensive struggles we've seen each of the last two years or is it the fact that it just never feels like no matter who's playing, Nebraska's defensive combination can
2: consistently put it together for a stretch of play in the Big Ten? You're asking me to get into the mind of a disgruntled Nebraska fan. Yeah. I mean, I think I think, yeah, think right? work past
0: I... all the highlights of Terrell Farley from YouTube, work past the hatred of Penn State for the uh, the out of bounds play in eighty-two. Work past, uh, you know, the fact that Tom Osborne almost could have went to Colorado in what '78. Work past all of those things.
1: Put on your apex jacket right now, Bronson. Do it.
2: I, I think it's, I think it's offensively. I mean, I think, you know, when when Scott Frost and his the staff came to Lincoln, I mean, you you were expecting, and I think everybody thought this that you know, if, if the defense is going to take time to kind of get its feet under it, at least you were going to start, you could start winning games, you know, 55 to 48, stuff like that. Um, you know, in year three, the, the quarterback play has not gotten better. Um, you know, it, it, it looks so difficult on offense to move the ball. Um, you don't see any kind of consistency drive to drive, which I I think is concerning. So I I think it's, I think it's offensively because, you know, even though they are playing more young guys now than than maybe what they were probably expecting to do, you know, I, I think a lot of Nebraska fans thought that this high powered offense and, you know, what they did at UCF would, would be able to kind of be the change-up that would allow Nebraska to really compete in the Big Ten. So that, I think that's probably where it lies. I think that's not to say there's not any defensive frustrations because they, they are still not stopping the run with any kind of consistency in year three. But I, I think it uh, rests on the offensive side of the ball. What yeah. about UC?
1: Oh, I think, I think you're right. I was thinking about this the other day. If you think about highlights of the last three years, this is going to sound really snarky, but I think there's some truth to it. You almost go back to Frost's first actual game they played, which they lost to Colorado. And I know Colorado wasn't a great team, but remember they fumbled it away earlier and they're down like 14, nothing right off the bat. But then for like the next quarter and a half of that first half, the offense was playing with this tempo and everything felt good. And, I'm only bringing that game up right now because that for like a quarter and a half is like, I think people are really pumped. They're like, yes, this is how it's going to be. It was just like pedal to the metal and right off the bat, it looked different. And sometimes I think back and I'm like, that's what we even saw that opening week is just disappeared. You know, there was, there was something going that first week with pace and just the confidence and kind of the bravado of the offense. Uh, even though they weren't getting the results right away. And uh, th- there's no bravado right now in this offense, and there's, there's a lack of trust. So I think that's the answer. Now, I do think from this last week, honestly, it was the defense taking like four steps back that really just made everyone face plant because I think people thought at least the defense was kind of trending the right way, and then that performance was just so mind-boggling. You're just like, well, you can't even say that now. And, uh, and that to me is going to be the game. If Iowa gets out its horns and uh, Nebraska can't stop those East, those long developing Iowa run plays where they can't fit the gaps, right. And those for you know, 30 yards. uh, That's when the game turns into your Mark banker bloodbath, you know, uh, on the scoreboard. Um, So that, that to me is the big question. Nebraska's run defense. If they show up and have some fight in them, this game goes down to the wire. If they can't, hit their fits and it's the, that's an issue, then it, it could get ugly.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And it, it seemed like you were pitching a, a little bit of a lifetime show about how Scott gets his bravado back, uh, you know, a, a play off of the whole Stella and her groove. So I, I like it. Like that a Chris,
1: like at Christmas, it could be like Christmas themed and go on the Hallmark channel.
2: Shaper, so I... you've been, you've been, uh, I think maybe by osmosis getting some of that Christmas cheer from those lifetime movies.
0: It is insane. Like, I, I will drop by the living room every now and then and see how things are going, and I'll get sucked into, like, a five-minute period, and in that five minutes, you can already tell that the family farm is at stake, and the, <laughs> the woman has to move from the big city back to the farm to fight off these mean lawyers or development people or whoever, but then she'll fall into a, uh, you know, into a potential relationship with one of them that isn't as mean as the rest. And uh, it's rinse and repeat. Like I, I had avoided this for most of my life, and now it is pumped into my living room every single day. Everybody like it. Oh, uh-huh.
2: Lifetime is at your
0: doorstep now, Mike. <laughs> it's like Lifetime, it's Hallmark, it's Netflix has an entire subgenre of these things. Like, you know, Shelby doesn't have to work particularly hard to find one, and uh, they're they're all over. So. I, uh, I just need to stop going into the living room, really, is what it comes down to.
2: It's, uh, those are funny because it's surprising how many of those movies feature um, Candace Cameron from Full House. She's in a lot of those. Well, and so now you're starting to see, like, the cast from, like, One Tree
0: Hill and some of the shows from when I was in high school. Like, the, the actresses that didn't necessarily go on to do much else. Like now they're just starring in all of these Lifetime and, and Hallmark Christmas movies. Like that's a that's a whole niche market, I think, and good for them.
1: I watched a couple Beverly Hills 90210 ep- zero episodes the other day, and uh, I was mentioning this to Brunts. What's that actress's name that was like 38 years old that was playing a high school student?
2: Gabrielle Carteris. She's almost 60 now.
1: <laughs> anyway, off I subject.
2: Talking really, about Luke but...
0: Perry there at first. <laughs>
1: Luke Perry is no longer with us, and that's I know.
0: But he always sad, sort of looked like he was 35, even when he was only 28 playing a high school student.
1: He was he was our James Dean of our generation.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's let's uh, let's take a break, <laughs> and we'll see if we can figure out uh, Nebraska basketball. They're going to be playing, I'm told. I know that seems somewhat surprising, uh, given everything else that's going on. But we'll dive into some Nebraska basketball, some golden window talk, uh, we'll see what Bruns has to say and what he learned from Fred Hoyberg earlier this week. And we'll do all that next year on the Husker 24-7 podcast.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild
0: All right, and we're back. Brunch, you ready to talk some basketball?
2: Yeah, busy, busy week of hoops coming up. All right, well, lay it out for us. <laughs> uh, so Nebraska, after much hand-wringing and scheduling and rescheduling, uh, has opponents for the Golden Window Classic in Lincoln. Um, before that, they get McNeese State at 11 a.m. on Wednesday um, in, in their season opener, not part of that event. Uh, they'll also get Nevada and North Dakota state uh, was, was where the, the roulette wheel landed for their opponent. But I um, ta- heard from Fred Hoiberg today on on Tuesday and kind of where they're leaning with things in terms of rotation and kind of making sense of this group of players that they have. Um, he said right now they're down to a, uh, a group of six from which they'll pick a, a, a starting five. Uh, that would be Ivan. Um, See if I can do this without looking. Ivan Latman, Teddy Allen, Thor, uh, Trey McGowan's, Delano Banton. Is that six? That's six. So that, that's should your. I, cr-
0: should I read anything that Kobe Webster isn't in part of that six?
2: Uh, well, no, because with Trey McGowan's being immediately eligible, that pretty much solidified that Webster would be coming off the bench. But so if if that's your group of six, you, Kobe Webster's probably seven. Uh, you've got Shamil Stevenson, Derek Walker. Um, you're, you're pretty quickly into your, you know, a ten man rotation there, and you know it was, it was Fred hit on a number of things, um, and, and I, I think it will be fascinating to see what the score sheet's going to look like night to night with this group because you you have so many guys that can shoot and can score and. You know, he, he said, you know, some nights you're going to have a guy that's going to have 20, the, the next night he might have four, and that's a little bit more in line with kind of what they did at Iowa State with their versatility. So, it's it, uh, you know, that, that, that and how it breaks out and how guys kind of accept roles um, will be something to follow. I think also uh, just kind of looking at, you know, who's out there in, in crunch time is also – something to watch because I, I think they have multiple guys at the end of games that can knock down shots or make plays. And that's something that they did not have a year ago. So lots to, to kind of suss through, I guess, in, in this uh, opening week of play. And I'm, I'm eager to see how that kind of plays out. Yeah. It's, uh,
0: there's, there's no doubt that there's going to be some intrigue this week, especially for some of those guys. Like, you know, we've been hearing about Delano Banton for a while uh, is, is he at the
2: top of your list of who you just want to see at 11 a.m. on, on Wednesday? Yeah, when I'm, I'm, you know, breaking into that coffee at 11 a.m., I want to see Banton. I want to see that It'll be your see... seventh cup by 11 a.m., right? Yeah, I didn't say it was my first. Right. Uh, but But Man, I think, is the other one that I'm intrigued by. Um, you know, we've heard, obviously, about his prowess with the 100-shot drill that, that Fred Hoiberg puts the, his team through. Yeah. Um, but also a guy that, you know, can play the four and the five and, and, you know, really stretch the floor. So I, th- I think those two guys would be probably at the top of my list. And I'm, I'm also eager to see how this offense functions with Trey McGowan's, you know, that they, they loved him as a point guard option. They, they, you know, were thrilled that he was immediately eligible and in this offense, they're going to try to play faster than they played a year ago. And, you know, a lot of that is going to come from Banton, from McGowan's, and, and really kind of, you know, being the, the, the drummer that kind of, you know, makes that band work. Yeah,
0: so uh, BC, I mean, you, you look at this team. Why should Nebraska fans feel better in the second year under Hoiberg when it's essentially the same deal? Whole new lineup. They didn't get a play in Italy. They haven't really gone against other teams a whole lot. Like, it's going to be a lot of learning on the fly, learning each other on the fly, gelling on the fly. But why would you – and maybe you don't – but why Why would you feel confident that it's going to look better in year two than it did in year one? Just well, I don't – yeah, player.
1: that's a good question. I don't want to overhype them. I think wh- last week when we kind of laid out expectations, I thought like 7-13 and 13 or 8-12 and 12 was a realistic good goal for this team. So it's not like I – uh, necessarily expect them to be, you know, fourth or fifth in the Big Ten, but I think the answer is why I feel better about it. Um, I think Bruns would say this through listening to the coaches and any conversations he's had with them, is that they they just feel like they've got a lot more talent now than a season ago. I mean, last year there was excitement because it was year one of Fred Hoiberg, but behind the scenes those coaches knew they, they just didn't have the goods. I mean, I, I know that Doc and some of those guys knew that was going to be a rough, rough go last year. And it was maybe a little rougher than they thought, but maybe not that much different. So, I mean, in ba- basketball is one of those sports where with only five guys on the floor at a time, you know, you get even two guys who are difference makers are different than you had before. And that changes the game. And, and, if you look at the guys, I mean, we, we just mentioned Kobe Webster. I was kind of excited about Kobe Webster, and he might he's not in that top six rotation. That I mean, that's a good thing to me. That tells you uh, that there is a lot of depth. I'm excited to see Banton the most, too. Um, it sounds like behind the scenes he was the guy that was stirring the drink a lot, and uh, I just am eager to see what what that looks like.
0: Yeah, for me it's Trey McGallins, if only because he's probably the – most productive transfer player Nebraska has ever added. You look at his two years, um, you know, over there and, and before coming to Nebraska at Pitt. I mean, he was just a, a really good player. And, and certainly it's helped uh, with Bryce McGowan's as well and the addition there. But, Ron, I'm curious what you think of this. Do you, do you feel like basketball, having sat back and watched everything college football has gone through, do you, do you get the sense that they're going to be more uh, open or willing to, to have scheduled changes? I mean, we, we look at this MTE event, and um, it just seems like there's just a, a barrage of changes every hour. Do you get the sense that when we get into the actual scheduling, you might see um, – or the actual season, you might see teams just having to schedule on the fly a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it's going to be a
2: mess. I mean, I, I don't think there's really any way around that. Yeah. Um, you know, Fred was talking today that he and his staff had done three, three scouts on teams that thought they were going to play and ended up not playing. So, I mean, that, that, that's just going to be the, the nature of the beast this season around the country. And you're already seeing, I mean, the, the season's going to kick off or tip off on Wednesday. And, you know, games are still being canceled, uh, postponed. You know, Nebraska, they're being tested for the final time on Tuesday night, they won't know for sure that they're playing until very early on Wednesday morning or late, late on Tuesday night. So, I mean, that, that's the reality of the situation. And actually, if you look at Nebraska's schedule, the way it laid out, there's about a 10 day window between the, you know, the, I think it's, I think the last game of the, the non-con would be uh, Creighton. And then there's about a 10 day break until they play Wisconsin starting big 10 play. So if they have to, reschedule a game or, um, you know, postpone something or something like that. They at least have the window to do that early on. I mean, it's, it's really going to almost be like when, you know, baseball teams have to scramble to find games because of rainouts. in some ways. So, um, you know, how, how they kind of manage that I think will be something to watch. Um, you know, it, it's, I think it helps that Nebraska is a group of guys that have kind of been through some things, been at other, High major programs and and have some maturity, but that's I mean that's going to be something you know they're going to battle all year, and I, I really don't know that there's a, a way around that for them.
0: All right, any uh,
2: final thoughts on, on Okay, give me this. Who's the first guy
0: to score a basket? We're going to make an oddly specific Husker <laughs> prediction.
2: First uh, guy to score his first career basket with Nebraska. I think Teddy Allen's going to going to get to the, get to the rim on a head fake. They're, they're going to space it out, get Teddy in space, and he's going to go to the rim. That's my, my prediction. Here's one other thought for you, Mike. I, we okay. can end on this. Watch, watch in these games how Nebraska handles runs because there's not going to be any fans. There's not going to be any immediate energy. They're going to be playing in an empty 15,000-seat arena aside from basically 20 of us. So how they handle that, how they bring their own energy – how you're able to stop runs, Uh, that's going to be, I think, a fascinating sidebar to this whole season, especially when you get into conference play and you're playing likely in empty arenas. I I think that's going to be something to watch, and teams that deal with that the best, I think, are going to have a little bit more success than they maybe would otherwise.
0: All right, Michael Peronce, good stuff as always. BC jumped off the line a little bit early to – I don't know why, but he did. Uh, We don't have him anymore. Those guys will be back along with a special guest for the Husker Hype cast. It'll run on
2: do we want do we want to run that on Thanksgiving? Is that the plan? It's uh it'll drop on Thanksgiving. You, it'll be it'll it'll be what you need to keep you awake after the the turkey and whatever you're drinking kicks in. Yeah, so uh, you know, a side
0: of uh a side of Husker Hype cast to go with your cranberry sauce, I guess. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. All right. Okay, well, be sure to check out our site, Husker 24-7. we got a lot of stuff going on there. we got some good deals going, uh, so be sure to stop by. You never know how much money you could save if you check out the site. You know this is a time of year where we love to, uh, to throw some big savings out there, so keep an eye out to all the stuff going on uh, at Husker 24-7. We'll be back with another podcast, and, of course, we'll have plenty of coverage throughout the week as Nebraska takes on Iowa and Husker basketball kicks off
2: as well.